Hey friends, you know I love a good story, especially when it's a God story that equips, encourages, and inspires us in our walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Welcome. I am so glad you tuned in. Hey, have you heard about our Her God Story podcast clubs? You can start one. It's really easy. Just gather together some few friends, neighbors, colleagues to talk and encourage each other in your walk of faith. And it's very simple. Listen to the same episode, download our prepared episode questions from hergodstory.org, and then discuss over your favorite refreshments. It's also a really great way to reach out to friends who don't know Christ yet. Include them in the conversation and see what God will do. Gather some friends and try it out. When you do, email us at prayer at somebodycares.org to let us know so we can be praying for you. You know, Acts 1.1 says that the book of Acts is the story of what Jesus began to do and to teach. The miracles and healings described in Acts are only the beginning of what Jesus did and continues to do through the Holy Spirit in his disciples. If you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are one of his disciples. And while God gives us different gifts to each member of his body, Praying for and and seeing healing, deliverance, and miracles is something we can all participate in. My guest, Joan Hunter, knows this very well. Joan Hunter is a compassionate minister, dynamic teacher, an accomplished author, and an anointed healing evangelist. She has devoted her life to carry the message of hope, deliverance, and healing to the nations. In fact, she just returned from ministering to Ghana. And as founder and president of Hearts for Him and Joan Hunter Ministries, her vision is to equip believers to take the healing power of God beyond the four walls of church to the four corners of the earth. Joan's genuine approach and candid delivery enables her to connect intimately with people from all walks of life. In a moment, you'll see why some people describe her as a carable net with the anointing of Jesus. Joan ministers the gospel with manifestations of supernatural signs and wonders in healing school sessions, miracle services, conferences, and churches around the world. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, Joan speaks prophetically in these services, releasing personal and corporate prophetic ministry to those in attendance. And I am so honored to have her join me on this podcast to share her God story. Welcome, Joan. Well, I'm so excited to get to see you again and be with you and talk to you. And uh, we've kind of known each other off and on for about 20 years uh, before you were married. So that was very, really awesome. And it's so awesome to see what God has done in your life. And I've loved, loved Doug Stringer for many, many years. And, uh, and it's just a privilege to be on the program with you. Well, Joan, you have a worldwide healing ministry, but most people don't know your personal journey of faith. Some may know that your parents were Charles and Francis Hunter, the Happy Hunter Worldwide Healing Evangelists, and I imagine you probably traveled uh, with them quite a bit, but what was life like for little Joan? When did the gospel become real to you? Well, little Joan was raised by a drinking, smoking, cussing mother, aka Francis. That was an interesting experience, so it wasn't like born into a Christian home. And so at that point, uh, when I was 12, my mom, uh, making a long story short, met Jesus. And all of a sudden she quit smoking, drinking, cussing. I mean, like almost instantly. And I'm like, I like this mom that I have now. And the house didn't smell like smoke or any of that kind of stuff. So she changed so radically. I'm like, I, I want in on this. 
I want to have that radical change. So I gave my life to Jesus at 12 and never smoked, never drank, never cussed, nothing like that. And the closest I've come to cussing is it's a damn breaking <laughs> service. And, you know, and it's like D-A-M, you know, I almost got shut down because I said that word in a service, which is kind of funny. There, No, we know. I'm like, no, damn, you know, like Uber damn. So that was kind of funny. But before I was born, my father abandoned me. My mother and father got married. She was like, oh, just enamored by him. And then they got together the first night on their wedding. And by morning, he had tried to kill her. And she ran for her life, having no idea, even with the contraception, that she was pregnant with me. So I'm an unwanted pregnancy. And uh, so she, like I said, she ran for her life. I met him when I was 16. Very glad that he didn't raise me. And that's just an understatement. My cousins are good friends. So I found out even more reasons why I'm really glad he didn't raise me. Like I said, I gave my life to Jesus, got married when I was um, 20. And I went to our Roberts University and got married when I was 20. First of all, then my mom, when I was 16, came to Texas and to speak. And she had had a couple of phone conversations with my dad, who kept inviting her to come stay at his house. She didn't hear he would get a hotel. So she would, she called him that dirty old man, you know? So then they finally actually met and she's like, oh, this is that dirty old man. You know, so she puts her hand out to shake his hand politely. And they, they were like stuck. And like five minutes later, all of a sudden she's like, oh, you know, shaking her hand and like whatever. And, uh, and 88 days later they were married. So this is a uh... Charles that she married. This is Charles and Francis now. Yeah. A lot of people think that mom and dad technically raised me. Then nine months later, he adopted me. And immediately my when I got to Texas, I went and to the courthouse, changed my name to Hunter. Like he didn't want anybody to know me, but by Joan Hunter. So, uh, which I'm still known. I still honor him in, in carrying that name. I moved into the house with a strange stranger and my mom traveled and was gone a month at a time. So it was a very strong of a transition. And uh, there's a lot more to the story there that's kind of funny. But uh, God literally put them together. And then a couple years later, um, I went to Oral Roberts University. And then I met my now ex-husband, met him, uh, married. We had four kids, variety of things like that. And I was kind of like wondering, you know, I wonder what he's, I'm really sensing in my spirit that he's doing something he shouldn't be doing, you know. And then, but I don't want it to be gift of suspicion. I wanted to have be facts. Okay. Is something going on here? And yes, he was, he was having affairs with other men and, uh, standing, praying and believing realistically for years. Oh, I, you know, I quit, you know, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I believed him. And so toward the end of the marriage, um, I said, God, I, if he's still doing this, I want you to reveal to me that he is, which he did, you know, and it hurt to say the least. So Standing, praying, believing, finally got released, got the divorce, uh, two days later, diagnosed with breast cancer. I personally believe I deal when I, with healing is what opens the door for sickness. Trauma, family-related, relates to the breast. Okay, family is more like breast. So people that get breast cancer, everyone has had a family, whether their kids, their spouse, their mom, dad, etc. And so that's what opened the door for that. So I, they gave me about two years to live. Now that was in the year 2000, 23 years ago. I said, God, I can live without a breast, but I can't live with a broken heart. Long story short, went after God to heal my heart, trauma, 
uh, stress, unforgiveness, betrayal, abandonment, and obviously the list goes on. And I would just, you know, pray in the shower because I didn't want my girls to see me sobbing. And so I'd be in the shower and daily just getting better. I would go to counselors. I'm sure they can help me. Spirit-filled Christian counselors. So I go in. They said, seven, eight years, you might feel a little better. You're never, ever going to get over this. And I'm like, okay, so I would go to a different one. Maybe they might have a different outcome. Said the exact same thing. I went to a third one. Seven, eight years, maybe a little better, but you're never, ever, I'm so over it. I've got books, CDs, everything, healing a broken heart. I got my broken heart healed. I have medically diagnosed broken heart syndrome. Medically, I went for my exam in February of this year. And they said, you have a beautiful, perfect heart. I said, I know. Thank you, Jesus. So then in dealing with all that in my heart, then from there, I went and a few months later, I called my mom and dad. I said, let's pray. That's all I did about the, the cancer. It was my heart I was going for. So I go back in a few months later to see what they recommended. So I go in there and they, um, they're looking on the left side, which is where it was. Then they went to the right side and they came back to the left side and the cancer was gone. And they said, what did you do with the cancer? I said, I sent it home to hell. Thank you, Jesus. And totally supernaturally healed. I got to keep my breast and I got a healed heart. So we're good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I did. I'm, I can talk fast. <laughs> yeah. So Joan, I mean, gosh, you went over a huge span of your life right then, but oh, absolutely. I know. Well, let's go back a little bit. You had some labels when you were younger on you. God removed those labels from you as well. And I think a lot of people, they have these labels put on when they're young and they never get over it because they believe in those labels. Share what happened with you and how you got rid of those labels. I believe, they believe the labels. They believe the lie. It can be brought on by a parent. Like, don't start anything because you never finish it. Okay. So that's a curse. It's a curse supposed to bump it over them. So they're 50 years old and they can't figure out how come they can't finish anything, you know? And then I was told I was dumb, stupid, and retarded, never amount to anything, never be able to hold a job, never be able to read or write. And um, I haven't had any books come out this year, but last year I had my number 27 come out. Wow. And I, one publisher has asked me for five more books this year, but five more books in a period of a year, maybe, but not in a year, not, not in a few months, which I think is really awesome. And people are literally getting touched all over the world. They're getting touched all over the world. Yeah. Through my books. When I was growing up, I saw some healings when I was young and I, I know the power of, of seeing and experiencing healing when you're a child. And you had kind of front and center to seeing a lot of healings. How did that really impact your faith and your life and and uh, and your future? Yeah, I personally thought it was just really amazing. Somebody said, well, when did you get the call? I'm like, I said the prayer. And then according to Mark, it says, I can do all that. I can lay hands on sick. I can lead people to Jesus. I can cast out demons. I can eat any deadly food. That includes GMOs. And, you know, and just to do, you know, that just was normal. A lot of people are taught or think that only the pastor or only the evangelist or only, you know, so-and-so can do it. Right. But it, the Bible says believers, if you're a believer, you're qualified. And people go, it has to be you. I'm like, no, it's Jesus that heals through me. And he can heal through you too. And this is something that is just very fun teaching this around the world. Like, like you said, I just got back from Africa literally a week ago. And uh, we go from the recording of this. And, and I'm like, I've already been to Colorado for six services. I thank God for supernatural energy. 
especially at 70 years old. And, but it was like, how could God, you know, God's not going to use a poor African. And to see these people that are in these massive crusades, you know, 60, 70,000 people there, I teach, I pray, I do an example, then they pray for each other and they're all getting healed. Yeah. And they're like blown away that God's using them uneducated, you know, never seen a toilet. Hallelujah. Yeah. You appreciate those the more you're, you go overseas, you know, it's just absolutely amazing to show them that they can operate in the power that they already have. They just don't know it's there. So in addition to being a worldwide evangelist and minister, you're also a mom. I am a mom. I have four amazing daughters, all in their 40s. I just, I'm still having a struggle with that one. You know, when you and your first husband split up, I mean, they were having to deal with everything as well as you. I mean, what, what could you share maybe other parents who are trying to help their kids go through a painful situation? What are some things that, that you can equip them with that you used and saw work for your kids? I have two children out of the four that are going to church and involved in church. And I have two that one will talk about God, but not participate in church. Cause I mean, they're all, they were all burned in church, sure, you know, because of him. And then the other one, when I go to their house, I am mom or grandma. I'm not Joan Hunter, the, the, you know, the evangelist. And so I, you know, once in a while I may tell them a miracle or, you know, like something happened. Yes. I'm like, Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. I'm free to do that. But they don't need a preacher. They need a mom. Girls need their father's love and approval. I mean, it's it's almost in a negative supernatural how important that is. So if I don't, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some men listening here. Love your daughters. Love them unconditionally. Be affectionate with them. Hug them, etc. Let them know that you love them. And uh, the girls really never felt that kind of love from their dad. And they were trying really hard to, I mean, really all of them trying to get their dad's approval, like big time, you know, and it was, it was really tough and he just didn't have it to give basically. And so I know what I'm going to do to get my dad's approval. I'm going to become a lesbian. So one of them went to the lesbian lifestyle. And, you know, she goes, I know you don't approve of what I'm doing, mom. And I'm like, I never, I, I mm, close lips on that. And, uh, you know, I know you don't approve of what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's telling me she knows it's wrong. You know, she's now set free, delivered, has a family of her own and, and very, very happy. But that was hell for me during that time. And I learned, and I, you know, of course I have books on all this stuff after 27. It's like, how do you fix your children? And if you preach to them, they're going to rebel. Everything you tell them to do, they're going to turn from that. God just reveals to me. He's like, Father, I'm going to just use a generic name, Susan. I can't fix Susan. God, you know, I've done everything I know to do to fix her, but I can't. So I lay her on your altar. I release her to you. Show me what I need to do as a mom. Send people to her to minister to her and, and help get her free. So now she's free. So praise God. I'll tell you a perfect example of that. I was in Arizona, same girl. I was in Arizona and she had a doctor's appointment. We were there early. We just happened to be early for the doctor's appointment. Let's get a bite to eat. So we got to go to this place to get a sandwich. So I'm sitting there 
we're the two of us are in this in this restaurant and there's a younger man probably 35 40 and he had three or four older men who couldn't hear worth nothing uh, at two tables down and he was doing a bible study for them so he is reading the scriptures so loud you know and it's all on healing and it, i mean it was it was really good what he was saying and she's like do you hear you know i'm trying to get the word into her but i can't give her the word for me but god can give her the word and so anyway so she's like do you know you hear what he's saying what's he saying he's just telling scriptures on healing you know and i mean it was he was so loud so loud okay it's like two o'clock in the afternoon with nobody there and and i said oh that's that's cool you know i mean faith comes by hearing hearing the word whether you believe it or not she's hearing all these these scriptures and so she goes hey my mom's a healing evangelist i'm like wow that was came out of nowhere <laughs> you know but it was so funny because she's on the altar and people start quoting scripture to her and and helping her and you know it's pretty cool Amen. Well, you've seen some amazing miracles in your finances as well, because I mean, gosh, right after a divorce, divorce is one of the things that they say puts women in poverty, but God came along and did some amazing things, not only for you personally, but in starting ministries. I mean, you've seen some, share some of those financial stories. Okay. Well, um, at the time of the divorce, he was making about eight to $10,000 a month on a secular job, including we were pastoring, co-pastoring in church. Okay, so he, we got divorced because of sin. Church closed down right before that. Um, no alimony here in the state of Texas, no matter if you were married 25 years. And the youngest was 17 and a half. So child support for six months. So that was basically nothing. And uh, so at that point, um, I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to hit and peck here on a couple of things. I got so desperate one time. I picked up the phone to call my mom and dad because they would help me. And God says, are you going to trust them or are you going to trust me? It's time you grew up. Mm. So I put the phone back down and said, I'm going to trust you. I went to my CPA and I said, my, you know, I made $1,600 a month before taxes, taxes, insurance, everything. And so, but my tithe was 160 off the gross. So tithe came first and that was 160 house payment was 1100 my take home was 1200 that's 1260 out of 1200 okay which i'm really good at math i've always been good at math but i'm 60 dollars in arrears and i got three girls in college two i think it was two house pay or car payments one house payment and utilities food i mean everything i mean there was no way i could make it he says, first of all, quit tithing, secondary, quit giving offerings, third, plan on filing bankruptcy. I knew exactly what to do. Change CPAs. Just that simple. I'm going to get one that's not going to curse my finances. Yeah. Who's going to come into agreement? Now, I'm all for listening to what they say. And if there's truth in it, do something about it. But the first thing out was a tithe. And he says, it will rebuke the devourer. So at that point, uh, I mean, it was so amazing. Checks were coming in the mail. Uh, food was, was being delivered. I came home, like the girls trashed the house out. What happened here? And it's like 50 bags of groceries that couldn't fit in their fridge 
or the pantry. Wow. I'm not really sure who who actually did that. They left me some cash to go get milk and produce. I mean, it was amazing what God did. And, um, you know, and every time I turned around, there was finances growing, you know, going in. Now, I'm not a millionaire yet, but you know what? I ain't broke. Praise God. I often share the story that I was poor and I was po. Your po <laughs> is when you're so poor, you can't even afford the other O. And that's when you got to dig out of garbage cans to get food. And that's what I did when I was like three years old. My brother and my mom, at this time, I, I picked up every empty can of aluminum can and sold it to put food on the table. You know, I sold a lot of things at home. I sold my jewelry. I, I did everything trying to keep my head above water. And uh, which is like really awesome and how God has totally taken care of all that. So you are at a place where you're... No income. At, you know, I mean, not not enough to survive. All the girls got scholarships. It was supernatural what God did on that one. And so here I'm going and it's like, we used to go and get a disgusting uh, container of peaches and try to carve out a bowl of from that, from the garbage can. And it is an incredible feeling to actually go to the store and buy a peach that doesn't have a bruise on it. And if it's a dollar a peach, it's okay. I've got that dollar to do that. I was just given a whole big bushel of peaches in Colorado and they're delicious. How did you get from that place, Joan, to having the faith to start Joan Hunter Ministries and Hearts for Him? I mean, that had to have been miraculous to start these ministries when you can't even put food on the table. And that was in the year, the latter part of 2000, 2001 uh, is when I started the ministry. God had called me. I started traveling with my mom and dad. I had a secular job in Dallas. I started meeting my parents you know, on different locations on the road. I would, you know, take care of holding the offering until we got home, things like that. And then there would be notes in there. And I thought, okay, I just need to see if they need to answer this question. Oh, it'd be, get your daughter off the road. She's an embarrassment to God. I'm like, really? So I'm like, okay, God, they say you can't use me. And I was sobbing my guts out. I mean, literally sobbing my guts out. That night in the hotel room, he spoke to me. He says, just remember, they're not the ones that called you. What a totally major shift in my life. Some of you that are listening today needed to hear that. You think that God can't use you because your past, trust me, God will use your past, but we don't have to linger there. And then it was kind of funny when my book, Healing the Heart came out. So I talk about getting my heart healed. I've got some CDs on broken heart syndrome, things like that. When my book came out, my mom and dad read it. They said, why didn't you tell us that you needed money? I said, because then you would have been my hero and not Jesus. And they go, okay, that's what they would teach, you know? So, but it's so awesome because I love teaching Philippians 419 that my God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And to see how God is blessing the people around the world, third world countries, Haiti, Africa, all over. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal, really phenomenal with how God is blessing with cars, with jobs, with just breakthrough financially. So you started Joan Hunter and, and Hearts for Him Ministries. Was that before or after your your parents had stopped ministering? No, they didn't stop ministering until mom took her last breath in uh, 2009. <laughs> so they kept going. But I did travel with them off and on for about 35 years. And, um, and by 2009, 
I was, I would, we did by the, the latter part of the eighties, we did all the healing explosion, which I'm sure you're familiar with. We did all those around all over the world. And then we came, um, and then we did one big one, uh, in Houston as their last hoopla raw at uh, the Astrodome, which is so fun. And, uh, and then at that, my parents were there at that one, actually. That's cool. And so what happened is at that point, that's when, and that was in 04, that's when the ministry really, really took off and uh, with Joan Hunter Ministries and started doing a lot of individual travel and not just with mom and dad. So you've now remarried. You have a wonderful husband, Kelly. How did you fall in love again in the midst of ministry and after all that hurt? I mean, I'm sure you were, even though God had healed you, I'm sure you were cautious. Uh, Very cautious. Um, In the year 2001, the latter part of 2001, uh, maybe 2002, uh, in that general time frame, a friend of mine that lives in Florida, he's like a little brother to me, even though he's like five years younger. But anyway, he came to Texas and uh, and I said, this is what's going on. Um, they told me in the year 2000 to renounce the soul ties I had with him. I call him George for generic George. And so I renounced soul ties. I said, but I can tell when he's doing something that's not good. And I get this yucky feeling all over. And then I find out that he's doing the yucky, you know, mm. and he goes, cause you're still in covenant with him. I'm like, what do you mean covenant? I renounced the soul ties. Well, when we got married, we went into a covenant relationship, not a soul tie relationship. So, and so at that point I said, I, what do I say? So I said, I renounced the covenant with George. We're no longer married. Anything bad that came in through that, take it from me now in Jesus name. Thank you, Jesus. And it was like, he's never come in. I've never felt him like touching me again. I mean, everything because that covenant was broken. And so then he says, well, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing really good. And he says, you're doing really good. Except that wall you have up. And I crossed my arms. I'm animating it and verbally with you guys that are just listening. I'm like, I don't have a wall up. (laughs) I'm like, well, maybe I do, (laughs) but I had been hurt and death. Oh, just horrifically hurt. I didn't want to get hurt again. So I put a wall up to protect me. And of course, I have that in a book, Love Again, Live Again, teaches you about how to get healed of that. I said, you know, I don't have a wallet. So I, at that point, we go back to our hotel rooms and I said, God, I don't want to, I don't want to wall up. I can't be loved. But more importantly, I can't love. I can't love my children. I can't love the people I minister to. And, and I said, you know, I, take the wall down. So he took the wall down. Guaranteed, you know, if you do this, you're going to get hurt again. Guaranteed. But if not, you'll never love again either. And and so you've been healed once, so you know what to do on getting that healed. And there are certain people that hurt you, and you just kind of keep them at, keep them at arm's distance. You know, and it's not like pushing them away. It's just, I, I, I still be very, I'm very careful, you know, with relationships. How did Kelly make it, make it past the wall? Yeah, well, the wall was gone by then, by the time I met Kelly. So he was gone. That was gone. And I was going around the area churches promoting the healing exposure going to be at the Houston Astrodome, getting people to come and attend the school that uh, Joel Osteen opened up for us to have at his church. So I did, you know, six months of of training over there and uh, at the other location. So I would go and I would do that. And so I, I spoke at his at his church and he goes, I've always felt led to do healing. 
And so he started going and he missed one out of three Monday nights um, a month for six months. He only missed one out of 18 because he didn't hear about it. Wow. So he immediately plugged in and went to every single one. It was the same video, mom and dad on their videos. And then I did the interim between like intermission and stuff like that, training the people. And, uh, and he, and so he's, he, he, he sent me an email. He says, I met you. He says, but I've been trying to ask you a question. So I'm sending you an email. So he sent me this really long email and, uh, and he says, I'd love to, you know, take you out or something. And, you know, and, um, and so I respond with, well, I don't, I won't have anything available until after the October meeting. And, uh, um, he says, well, I'll, I'll wait, I'll, I'll wait for you, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm like, okay. So, um, anyway, so then I said, um, if you wouldn't mind going out maybe on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, because no weekends were available. I said, we can try to work that. Yeah. Day. So, so, uh, he said, that'd be great. And he says, I'm a bald, gray headed, bespeckled man, AKA glasses. So, you know, so the next week there he is. So I knew who he was. He seemed pretty safe, but we did both drive to our first <laughs> and second. And maybe I think the third date I actually had to pick me up at the house. So and then we got married in December. You know, God's taught you so much through your personal experience. You've shared a little bit about that. Um, tell us a little about your schools of ministry. I mean, there might be listeners that are saying, hey, I need some of what Joan is talking about. How do I learn? What? How do they get connected, Joan? I have joanhunter.org. That's how we get connected. Number one. Number two, I have a healing school, which is seven books, 12 hours of teaching on DVD. Now, here's a, a something hard to fathom. Learn from somebody who's been doing this for 52 years. But I've been in the healing ministry for 52 years. Okay. And it's, I, I teach on healing of the body, mind, soul, spirit, and finances. And you can get set free. God has healed me of physically breast cancer, needs, uh, goiters, adrenal glands when I prayed for myself. Okay. And and God wants to heal. Now I had, like I said, I was so broke. Uh, it was It was ridiculous how poor I was. You know, and God has truly blessed me with a beautiful home and I'm moving out of it in a couple of days. And uh, it was kind of exciting because before I came on here, we found a house and we got a contract on it. So we're putting that on there today. So which is like really exciting to do that. And uh, and I have an interim place to live in the meantime. But the point is, it's like, you know, um, how God has truly blessed me is unbelievable. Now, years ago, I have a, uh, anyway, back to that. I do healing schools around the nation. Um, we also have it available online that you can watch a majority of the services, etc. And, but I've been healed in the heart and my soul and spirit, every area. So we have hands-on teaching at all of our conferences at, with healing school and ordination. And it's just, it's really awesome and amazing. And to see people come in and they can get healing school certified or ordained. And it's just really awesome. So you can call our office and contact us there. Joanhunter.org. So we'll have all that information on our show notes. During COVID, I mean, you had been traveling before, of course, but during COVID, a lot of that international travel stopped. But you've recently restarted. You went to Ghana. Share what God did in Ghana. Well, I went to uh, Uganda. two years ago, Rwanda last year. And then the beginning of this year, I went to Togo and Ivory Coast and then I was in Ghana. And I am like the hottest thing going on in Africa right now. 
Now, I'm a, this is a very good point right here. I said, God, why did you choose a 70-year-old woman and not a 50-year-old man to do what I'm doing? Because it's hard. I mean, it's really hard over there. Hot, I'm called to air conditioning and, you know, and things like that. That's concerned. I said, how come you didn't choose a 50-year-old man? You know what he told me? He said, no. The 50-year-old man said no. And like with Catherine Kuhlman, why did why are you not having a man do this? And and God showed her there was three men that said no. Wow. Before he asked her. When God asks us, male or female, when he asks us to do something, we need to do it. I said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, except Africa or Pakistan. I was already I was in Pakistan a couple months ago. <laughs> but there's no conditions on the yes. I'll go where you want me to go, I'll do what you want me to go do. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. During the pandemic, I stayed home, wrote five books. That was awesome. Let me give you another really cool situation that happened. In the year 2000, faced with divorce. And then at that point, I am like totally devastated, broken heart, etc. And my whole life was him, children, and the church. And I, my identity was that. And I was Charles Francis son's daughter. And we lost the church lost the marriage and emptiness all at the same time. I was still Charles and Francis Hunter's daughter. I was a wreck. I had no idea who I was because my entire identity had just been wiped out. And so, you know, to eat alone, you know, I don't remember eating alone. Um, and this is, I was 47, like ever, you know, elementary school, growing up, high school, college, married. I never, I never ate alone. It was a, a weird experience. So I, I went out to eat and to entertain myself at a nice little restaurant, had a, a Caesar salad with chicken on. I still remember sat by the fireplace all by myself and just ate. And it was something I had to do, you know, to break that fear of can't do it. So did that. And I'm like, God, I have no idea who I am. Now there's who you are in Christ then there's who are you? And a lot of times people lose their identity. Like, you know, of an executive who worked for this company for 50 years, then they retire. And then they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. I've worked since I was 15. You know what I'm saying? That's their whole identity. And a lot of times they'll just die, you know, shrivel up and die. And uh, so anyway, uh, I went after trying to figure out who in the world I was. And so I found who I was, but also at that point, I had to fall in love with Joan. I I didn't love Joan. So I fell in love with Joan and now I can be alone with no problem whatsoever. I'm a people person, but it's okay if I'm alone. It's okay. I'm not like, oh my God, help. No, I'm not that way. And I, you know, I, I was, but I'm not. And so I'm like, okay, who am I? So long story short, you know, I'm a person of mercy, I'm a radical giver, and I'm a servant. Those are my three primaries. I love to serve, even though people go, will you just put that plate down? Let me serve you. Okay. You know, it's hard because I'm such a servant. And uh, and so then, uh, so I God revealed to me my identity, okay? During the pandemic, I had to, I'm laying in bed, and I'm like, I can turn to the right and get up. Cause I had tickets to cancel, you know, and maybe go to the grocery store 
because we're going to be inside for a while. And we were deemed essential so we could come to the office every day, which was great. We could pray with people and, and so forth. We just couldn't have meetings. So I did a lot of Zooms and a lot of um, writing and, you know, and praying for people online. They would they would do interactive, you know, Facebook or whatever. And I would be praying for them as they are online, which is pretty cool. And I mean, God used the time, but I'm laying in bed. This is before all that. So it's like. I can turn to the right and get up, turn to the left and go into depression. I had that choice. So I made the decision to turn and get up and go about what I needed to do. I'm like, God, I have nothing to do. I'm a go-getter. I'm going to do something all the time. Okay. Mega multitasking type person. Sit at home. No. So I actually cooked for myself when I lost you know, the family lost 20 pounds instead of eating out every night. So we just ate home and lost 20 pounds. I thought that was cool. I need to lose another 20, but I don't want to stay home for that one <laughs> to say the least. So, um, so a few months into the pandemic, because this, they told me uh, we have uh, run our payroll through a company and they said, you're going to need to get rid of 40 to 60% of your employees, you know, with the pandemic. So who are you going to get rid of? We walked through the office and we're like, there's nobody. I don't want to let anybody go. So I told the staff, I said, we just need to pray for God to meet our needs, basically, in a nutshell. And I said, if fear comes in, I will correct you because I can smell it, you know, if there's fear there. So anyway, so that was, that was pretty cool doing, doing all that and, and, you know, walking through, excuse me. Yeah. You know, what? And I'm like, we're not doing that. I'll answer all your questions, but what are we going to do if we have to shut down? So I'm not going to answer those kind of questions. It's not an option. Okay. So we made it through the pandemic. Everybody got was paid for, you know, nobody missed a paycheck, nothing. It was supernatural how God did that. So anyway, so I am, um, God may have some conversations either in the shower or in bed. So I'm laying there and I'm like, okay, so you don't need me to travel. Cause I mean, all the needs of the ministry was met. Absolutely phenomenal. We had money saved up for Christmas. Didn't need it. Didn't use it. And we had money saved up that turned out to be for the pandemic. Didn't even touch it, our savings account for that. So I was like, thank you, Jesus. So at that point, um, and I'm saying, so you don't need me to travel. And you know what he told me? No, I don't. Well, after my got my feelings healed, because it hurt me a little bit, but he said, no, I don't. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so he said, no, I don't. He says, but then right after that, he says, but I want you to travel. Do I need to travel to support the needs of the ministry? Absolutely not. Okay. But I got, I travel. It does bring some finances in, but the, the trips and the book sales are not our source. God's our source. And I know that people that are listening today need to hear that. Okay. In order to meet my needs, I've got to get a third job. Well, then you're worthless, worth nothing physically. And then you have opened the door for getting sick and then you can't work any of them. Then what are you going to do? Okay. There's got to be wisdom. There's got to it's like, well, I live on a fixed income. You've just cut off any kind of blessing that God's trying to get you, get to you because you're on a fixed budget. Now, fixed income. It's, you, it's important that you have budgets and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? It's important that you trust him to make up the difference. 
And when I was $60 in arrear with just making a house payment and paying the tithe, wow, God met my every need. It was awesome. Yeah. He doesn't always do it the way we think he's going to do it, but he always does it, right? Absolutely not. I, I think it was all me, you know. People say, I got to work. I got to do this. I, I'm like, you just rest because he, he'll pull that rug out from under you thinking this mm. all your doings. He doesn't say just sit and wait. You know, this one guy, he says, I'm going to sit here. And he's rocking a chair. I'm going to sit here and, and God's going to provide my every need for the house payment and everything. You know, and you know what happened? <laughs> he broke the rocker. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he broke the rocker. <laughs> no money came in or nothing. Oh, it was funny. People are funny. So Joan, what message would you have for listeners that are out there? They're hearing about the incredible things God's been doing in for and through you. And they think God wouldn't do that through me. Well, first of all, stop that thinking. It's called stinking thinking. My opinion is if God can do it for me, God will do it for you. And scripture is that God wants to point to you or me as an example of his incredible wealth of his favor and kindness in all he's done for you through Christ Jesus. So God has pointed to me as an example. If you just trust it, as I've trusted in him, God has met my every need, whether ministry or whatever. And it's been literally supernatural what God's done. Joan, it has been so great having you as a guest. And as, as we close, question I ask all my guests, would you share about a woman of the Bible who's inspired or encouraged or taught you something? Absolutely. My hero is the woman with the issue of blood. Unfortunately, she never got a name. She just got a label. She didn't get an email. She didn't get a text message. She didn't have GPS. And if she left her house, she could be killed legally. But she left in being determined to find Jesus. And she found him and was healed. That's a nutshell. I've got a great teaching on that. But the thing is, where she's concerned is she could have easily quit. She could have easily died in those 12 years uh, that she, she had, you know, she needed blood transfusion. She needed all new female body parts. She needed everything. Couldn't go to church. Couldn't get married. Depression. Couldn't be have parties. Oh, gosh, that would be horrible. And, 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 and. And so it's just very, very exciting how she did it and touched him of his garment and was made every, every wit whole slash completely well. That means that when she went home, there was shekels on the counter. There was donkeys right there. There was chickens in her yard. God had restored everything to her completely well, every wit hole. I'm looking forward to meeting her. Not today, but I'm looking forward to meeting her. Besides Jesus, she's on the top of my list, top 10. Yeah, she was tenacious. Yeah, and determined. You know, one of my books that I wrote during the pandemic is just don't quit. You know, I could have easily quit, easily quit through the years. And I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, that's good. Just don't quit. During the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples, uh, it's found in John 14, 12 through 15. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. Dear friends, we can be bold and ask Jesus in Jesus name for anything that will bring glory to the father and he's going to do it. Joan, would you take a moment and pray for our listeners? Yes, I'm going to add, add one more testament. I could talk forever, but I know you picked up on that with no problem. I have a little house I bought for a rental house and I went by there yesterday after I got back and I'm like, oh man, 
the grass needs to be mowed, but it's dead. I mean, because they haven't had any rain and there's no sprinkler system there. And I'm like, I don't have time to come and water because there's no rain in on the 10 day thing, period, no rain. So I'm like, oh, Jesus, help. And so I'm like, who can I get to, you know, do this ring? There's, you know, the whole bit. Okay. So I go out to get in the car. And I'm like, what is, what is that? And I look at my arm and I'm like, there's, there's drops. And then on the way home, massive thunderstorm, no cloud in the sky, not on the thing, probably an inch of rain in less than 30 minutes. I mean, God, open up the windows of heaven. Boom. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, God, help me. Well, I'm like, I'm thinking, God, help me, help me find somebody to help me water the yard. Well, he helped me even better than that. Boom. Now I can get it mowed and it's all nice and green again today. <laughs> but see, he, you can ask him for anything. God, I need rain. You know, we were moving some stuff out of the house and I'm like, I love the rain, but please have a stop between one and three. It did. See, we can ask him for anything and he'll do it. Amen. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that your word has confirmed that we can lay hands on the sick, see them recover. We have all authority that you have given us. And Father, right now, I thank you that you're going to heal those that are watching, touch their hearts, heal their hearts. And Father, we just thank you for healing family situations, uh, blessing them financially, getting the revelation of Philippians 4.19, that you're going to meet their needs, not according to them but according to you and who you are. So Father, right now, I just thank you for supernatural provision in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for turning things around in their life where relationships are concerned, no matter if it's husband, wife, children, parents, whatever, touch them. Father, give them greater determination to just not quit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at HerGodStory.org, you can find scriptures and all the links to Joan's website that we talked about. Don't forget to sign up for emails and get a free six-week devotional on Women of the Bible. Or you can purchase a 12-week Her God Story devotional for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to our Widow and Orphan Fund. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider starting a Her God Story podcast club. You can find more information at HerGodStory.org. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line, so give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Acts 4, verses 29 and 30. May God give you, his servant, great boldness in sharing his word. May God stretch his hand with healing power for you and through you. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of his holy servant, Jesus. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.